Hello and welcome to the No Really Everything's Fine podcast. My name is Catherine Bennett and I am joining you from the pot where we are all boiling frogs one degree at a time. Thanks for joining us today on our podcast. Today where we are talking about making ish up as I go, how one becomes a proposal professional, where we will talk about our own career journeys and how we can entice other folks to become the proposal professionals that they have always meant to be. So we are going to start in order of tenure today talking about how we got into the proposal field and what we think the key skills are to make ourselves successful. So Chris LaFountain, why don't you kick us off? Hi, everyone. Yeah, uh, Chris LaFountain. Um, I'm based in Massachusetts. I've been doing this line of work for a very long time. Um, um, how, I, how I got started doing this is, I mean, there, I, mean I did not, I have a bachelor's degree in English. I, I went on to get a uh, grad degree in marketing um, and then in, in around 2002, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with this? I mean, my, my dreams of working for a internet startup back in the dot-com bubble days, you know, that, that, you know, I was about a year too late for that. So I'm trying to figure out what do I do with this? Um, there was a, you know, there, there was a job posting for something called a proposal and production coordinator. I had no idea what that was. I never heard of such a thing. And there was... There are no degrees for proposal in production, <laughs> at least where I went to college anyway. Um, so, but it, it was a, it was a type of type of work that you needed to be able to write, to able to be, to use um, at the time desktop publishing software. And I had a previous um, background in desktop publishing. So I said, what the heck, let me give this proposal thing a shot. And you know, I was I was in that role for a few years before the company folded by trying to take that personally, like it was my fault. But it was it was um, no, but it but I but I found that it was something that I was I wasn't terrible at. You know, I was I was I, I had always been a pretty good writer. I learned how to project manage, kind of on the go, keep people accountable. You know, and I, I kind of liked being the one who uh, being like the quarterback of this. Uh, of this particular proposal or particular project. And, you know, and, and yeah, again, that was 2002. And I, you know, I left proposals to do marketing for about a year. Um, but I, I, I wound up coming back because, you know, this is, this is what I'm good at. This is where I'm comfortable. And so, you know, I, I don't see myself doing you know, anything else, you know, for, uh, for, for the rest, for the rest of my career. But yeah, yeah. I, I, but yeah, I, I didn't, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't set out looking for this. I just, I just, I just it, it kind of found me, you know, and, um, I, and I applied and here we are, you know, 20 years later, still doing it. With an illustrious career and getting sucked right back into it when you try to leave, which I suspect is going to be a common theme <laughs> among other folks, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think other people may have that story to tell. There's a little foreshadowing there. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Nicole, so so more than twenty years of experience. Chris has an MBA, a wide variety of of, of academic pursuits that you've had in your in your career mm -hmm. and in your life, right? Nicole, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit a, a little bit about how you got into writing proposals. I fell down a hill and hit my head, and then I woke up in the <laughs> underland, and I had a pen in my hand, and I was coordinating a response, and that's basically what happened. And there was a frog and he had a hat on 
and he was the buyer. Okay, I'm gonna start telling the truth. Okay, so what <laughs> that, actually Rip, Rip Van Robinson over here. <laughs> So what had actually happened was um, I had gone to school for marketing. Um, I have an honors degree in business and I also have a college diploma in marketing. Um, and basically was looking for work out after school had finished, I'd graduated. And I was just kind of like, okay, um, <clears throat> I want to get into a marketing team. That, that was the goal. I saw myself as, you know, a director of marketing, all super fly, you know, coming in and getting things done and crafting a story for an organization and a brand and all of that. And uh, ended up in customer service. No shade, no shade. But um, <laughs> while I was in customer service, I was like, I hate it here. <laughs> I don't want to do this forever. <laughs> Please get me out. Um, and I was reach. Uh, I ended up having my. He turned into my director, but he reached out to me, um, found my resume, and was just basically talking about the fact that he really liked the way I talked about my customers, and um, how I worked with them. And I was like, oh, okay, that that's kind of cool. He's like, so I'm thinking that you probably would be a really good proposal coordinator, proposal and project coordinator was the role. And I was like, okay, um, sure, <laughs> I'll try it. He's like, and at this point, he's like, it's it's your customer focus that I'm looking for and I'm gonna teach you everything else. And I said, okay, deal. <laughs> and so I started uh, working with a company and my product or service was commercial painting. So, um, I started in commercial painting. My first project was 300 sites. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? You don't like me? <laughs> why would you do this as my first project? Um, wow. And I was able to basically learn the business from proposal, from literally initiating the proposal with a potential customer, straight through to operating the actual project, closing it out, doing the financing, becoming the subject matter expert, learning the language of the industry, all of these things were uh, were basically foundational to where I'm at now. It's, it's all of the ideas and uh, philosophies that I have in my, I have today started with that one role. And I just remember being like, I actually really love this. And as Chris mentioned, I really enjoyed being the QB I, and that's exactly how they described us um, and trained us to think of ourselves. I really also liked um, being able to develop relationships with my contract team, the guys who were actually doing the work for me, being the person that the customer wanted to communicate all of the goals and desires through the process with, and then actually working on the sales side of it with my uh, with my sales rep because I only had one at the time when I started my career. So it just was like all this, all these little things that I was like, I didn't know I was going to love any of this. And I turned out just having such a good time. And, um, and I just went from there and we ended up streaming out the, as my career progressed, I streamed out the project side of it and really focused on the RFP sales cycle, um, and sales operations, um, and then sales enablement, uh, all of it just kind of happened one after the other and it kind of flowed until here we are today. And yeah, so I, there was no underland and I didn't so eat it, anything. There was no drink this, eat this. <laughs> but, but 
but it's still a fairy tale, right? Like you feel a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, you know, Rapunzel let down your hair, like situation. It's like throw the RFP over out the window. And <laughs> I'm gonna use it to bounce on it and snatch you out of the tower. <laughs> Saving, say, we're gonna call Nicole Nicole saving the day Robinson today with her with her RFP with her RFP background and experience. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So so twenty plus years, seventeen years. We're going in order of tenure in the industry here. So I'm I'm next. I've been doing this for about twelve years, and believe it or not, I actually started my career as a chemist. Um, I worked in Department of Defense laboratories where we were neutralizing chemical weapons so i had to wear gas masks with some frequency and we were getting rid of vx nerve agent and sd sarin gas mustard right so so i was a part of the air monitoring chemistry crew yep my for my first jobs out of college but i also had a journalism degree so i made i dual majored in chemistry and journalism um because I wanted to be a science writer and I turned out to be a scientist first and then became a writer second because of life, some life events and somebody recommended me for a job at RSNH with the proposal team there. And uh, like Chris, I made a desperate bid <laughs> to get out and do something else into public health. But RFP has sucked me back because I think I think what I what I love about this job is uh, is the analytics we, we talk a lot about, about the writing aspects of this and yes, it is a creative job and it is a pursuit from that perspective. But for me, being a, being a very dyed in the wool scientist type person, um, I find the, the measurement and the understanding and the, how do we improve the processes to really be a key component. And so, so I'm bringing that lens when I, when I look at proposals, um, you know, stepped away to do some stuff with the proposal automation software over at Lupio, which I absolutely loved for, for about a year. And now we're back in the front lines, back in the trenches, <laughs> digging, digging our way through those wins. And, uh, and yeah, but it was a total accident. Like I just kind of happened upon it and uh, it happened to be a really great opportunity and, and, you know, kind of, kind of persisted through that for 12 years later, I'm still in technical communication. So party on. So that's my, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, not a chemistry experience ex experiment today, but uh, Nora, Nora, why don't you take us home with your uh, story about how you got into proposals? Sure. Yeah. So um, I graduated with a bachelor's in industrial design and an associates in marketing. And right when the economy crashed in 2008, 2009, perfect timing. Um, LinkedIn didn't exist, right? Um, people didn't really search for jobs that much on the internet. Uh, if anyone recalls Craigslist, I did some Craigslist searching for jobs at one point and apartments. Uh, and so I did really the only thing that I knew what to do, which was I, I went to a temp agency and I was like, hi, I need money. I just graduated college and have tons and tons of bills to pay. So, you know, they started temping me out at a few different places. Um, and uh, ultimately, I was very grateful to land a position with the American Heart Association as their office manager and executive assistant. And so you wouldn't think that in that type of role that you would get to leverage an industrial design degree or a marketing degree. But uh, one thing about nonprofits is they staff lean. And so you will wear so many hats. And I did. And so um, I, I just 
learned so many things. I got to do layouts and posters and things like that for different events. I, at one point I was coordinating uh, logistics for my own event. I ran 26 board meetings. I, you know, I developed all of these skills while I was there for six years uh, that I did not realize I was going to carry with me into proposals, right? And so I had this great foundation of organization, project management, time, I mean, every skill you need. So from there, I went on, I, I really, it was like me. It was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like, I'm very good at it, but sometimes things that you're good at are not necessarily things that you want to do as a job, right? And so I ended up moving on and it was the only position I was able to find, which was an executive assistant position uh, for a vice president at Comcast in diversity and inclusion, which DNI is something that's always been really, really important to me. It's, it's important that everybody feels included. Everybody has a voice. That's just kind of how I've always been. Um, and from there, because I had this background and things like that, the VP leaned on me to do a lot of, um, help her write a lot of remarks. Uh, I had always been really good at English. I just kind of, you know, I took AP classes in high school, but I, I don't have a degree in it. Um, and, you know, I was able to do a lot of PowerPoint layouts and things like that. And so that is actually what got me recruited into my first proposal role. I believe it was an operations coordinator, whatever that means, right? Um, but essentially I was supporting BD and it was five vice presidents of development. And so I was, you know, working on their PowerPoint presentations for customer facing meetings. I was helping with proposals and things like that. And I, a shout out to recruiters, big shout out to recruiters right here. Cause the good ones can take transferable skills and align you with a job that will fit. You don't, they, you do not need to have direct experience. So bless the recruiter that found me. Okay. Um, yeah. So she was amazing. And so I transitioned into this role and it was such a great fit. I mean, I loved life in that job. I really was like, wow, okay. I think I found what I want to do now that my former career path is just not really in reach anymore. And so then that company got bought one year uh, almost to the day after I joined by a VC company who cleaned house <laughs> about a month after the deal, you know, the, the ink was dry. And I think like half the company got laid off in one day, including myself. And so I was like, well, neat. What now? How do I found it, find a job someplace else doing this? Somebody else found me. And so from there, I was able to land a technical proposal writer role. Again, like what do these titles mean? They're, they're sort of... <sighs> feel like they get mishmashed together, but it's kind of like being a fancy, uh, a less fancy scrum master almost. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, from I, I, I worked there, I, I did proposals for a couple of years. Um, very grateful that they promoted me actually into the proposal manager title. But again, like I, my career would not have progressed as fast as it did if I didn't have that foundation. So, you know, if for anybody who you're not a proposal manager and you want to be, or you're not where you want to be in your career, you know, my advice to you would be maybe to start reaching out to some other successful proposal, reach out to us, right? Like ask Ask us all the questions if you want to. Um, find out, you know, what skills do you have? Maybe what skills do you need to supplement that you might be missing? Because that was a lot of what I did. A lot of the knowledge that I have came from a lot of questions that I used to ask the, the really fantastic proposal managers who trained me. And boy, I must have, I, I mean, I think I had a question every five minutes for them. Um, but, you know, in doing that and getting those open dialogues, I was able to really take my career to the next level. And now within five years, I've gone from being an office manager and executive assistant. But again, I had that important, you know, project management skill set. And I'm a full on proposal manager now. And so, you know, uh, even though my career 
map looks like somebody sort of tap danced across it. Um, it got me to the right bus and the right seat. And at the end of the day, that was the most important thing. Love it. I, I, I've been hearing themes around mentorship, around surprise in our careers, right? Around not really planning on this. And there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation around trying to get more college students engaged in this industry. Um, if I was presented with this opportunity in college, I can say unequivocally that I would not have taken it uh, because this is not how I saw my, my career, like, like just me personally. Um, but I'm curious, and there's also this dialogue right, right now that's happening in the sales domain around is a college degree even required to be a good salesperson, to be a BDR who's entering in? So I'm curious, like, what's the conversation look like on the proposal side around certain certification, around education, and around the skills that you actually need to be successful in this? And how can we encourage people to hire for those skills appropriately? So who's got who's got a, 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 a real deep, a real deep uh, opinion on this? <laughs> this from my own experience, I guess. Yeah, so I, you know, I have, you know, I, I was very much a school guy for me. So I, I took, you know, I have a bachelor's and an MBA, and I would get more degrees if I if I had time to, to, to do that. Um, but on the same token, one of the strongest people I've hired to, uh, uh, to, to, come, to come work on the teams I've been on did not have a degree um, and just had no, no desire to get a degree. Um, and and, and yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I, th I think for me, it's been always been more of a, of a, of a hunger to learn of uh, how to you know how to do things, learn to, learn to do things the you know the right way you know learning about best practices and you can you can do that on the job for sure i mean so it's the you know i i you know so i've you know even though i've had that big educational background i'm at the place in my career now where when i get when i have the opportunity to hire people i don't make it a requirement to have a bachelor's degree anymore for people that that just that's just no, there are there are plenty. Of, I think there are plenty of smart people out there who didn't. Who's you no know, college is not for them, and it's it's not for everyone. Um, so right. um, that doesn't mean you're a dummy and can't do the job. You know, I rather, I I would rather have someone who uh, wants to ask a ton of questions. You know, kind of like what Nora was saying, and just really wants to learn and really wants to get it. That trumps some piece of paper from some college, for me. So. I strongly feel that people don't necessarily need any kind of degree to to do this. I don't think anybody needs a degree to do a lot of jobs. Personally, just my mm -hmm. personal opinion. Um, I do feel like that was a bit of a, I don't want to say lie, but it was, it was the narrative that was being pushed at the time that I was in school, right? And I got swept up. If you don't get a college degree, you can't get a good job. And I just don't think that's true. I, you know, my, my life experience has showed, I have two degrees. I'm not effectively using, I mean, the marketing one a little bit, but, you know, effectively, I'm not using my, my primary degree. And so I will say I am an advocate for getting certified in things, right? I do think that it's important to be able to demonstrate that you have a certain foundation and, but again, if you have a certain amount of career experience, that might negate the need for that certification. Um, but I will say even this far in my degree, learning about uh, APMP, learning about, um, Excel, I'm learning a lot about Excel. I never had to use Excel in a lot of my you know, jobs or anything like that. Yes, I could make a spreadsheet look pretty, but can I do a pivot table? I didn't need to. But I do think that when you're 
you know, using a playbook, right? Like if you're using a Excel spreadsheet, you can automate a lot of those things inside the spreadsheet. So I'm learning a lot now on how to use macros and things like that to make my life a little bit easier. So my best advice would be get a certification in Word, get a certification in, you know, maybe the suite, right? Excel, whatever, maybe some advanced uh, Excel things and then get APMP certified. That's what I'm, I'm working on that as well. So um, I, I think that alone will negate the need for any sort of degree. Yeah, Nicole, what do you think? I think I want to add that catalog yourself first, because being put in the situation is what made me realize that these were things I liked. I had not previously be, been put in the situation. So it was at that point in time where I was like, I actually really like this. And I never would have considered it had I not been here, had I not found myself in the role. So if you haven't found yourself in a role, just pause and stop and think about the things that you actually like doing. Um, when you were at work, what were the things that engaged you? So really quick, funny story. Just recently, I was watching Moon Knight. It's a new Marvel show on Disney Plus about this Moon Knight superhero character. But as we know, all superheroes have their superhero character self and their everyday person self. So the everyday person self, and this character is a little more complicated because he has disassociative personality disorder. So there are multiple multiple personalities within this one body. And then the superhero. So this guy's really complicated. So one of the <laughs> one of the personalities, he works in a gift shop. And his manager kept saying to him, um, I don't care what you say, I'm still putting you on inventory this tonight. You've got to do inventory tonight. Like it was a punishment. And I and I had this distinct moment where I was like, that wouldn't have been a punishment for me. I loved doing inventory when I was like in retail. And when I was managing, that was actually the role. Like I was a stock manager. And so I was responsible for cataloging all of the merchandise and keeping the back room clean and, and organized and all of that. And I, I thought to myself, wow, that had it never like i'm looking at it from this context of a character on a show but it was that moment that i remembered how i would just be in the back room music playing in my like whatever i was listening with and just counting things and i was at peace and i was actually having a good time my day would fly that would drive some people nuts so i just say all of that to say this lean into the things that you know you're good at take a catalog of those things and you can actually find a career based on that type of th that type of self analysis and introspection is what i would say yeah yeah nicole speaking of that back back in like maybe 2017 2018 i took a i took a career skills assessment cuz i was in a job at this mental health facility and i was like yeah this isn't really like this isn't meeting the bill, right? So I took what's called the VIA career assessment. And we're not we're not advertising for them, but I think it is a fabulous tool if anybody has the has the occasion to take it. And it turns out that the top four skills that I have are something like curiosity, love of learning, um, a beautiful uh, an appreciation for aesthetic, uh, for aesthetic things, and and there was there was one other that I don't remember, but none of them are immediately marketable. And I sat there and I cried as in front of the in front of this paper because I was like, I'm not bureaucratic. I'm not a leader. I'm not somebody who can who can like analyze things in the way that I think I should be able to. And I took it to one of my trusted friends and mentors. And she's like, just find a job 
that fits your skill. She's like, all of these things will be marketable if you match yourself to the career, but stop forcing yourself into stuff that is just what you think society should make you be doing, right? And I think with proposals, it's a lot of that that too, is like we find the gratification from this, even though it's something that's kind of niche and it's kind of specialized, but there are a lot, I think the most important part of this is that it's really interdisciplinary. There's always, like, I always have a reason to learn from my subject matter experts. As we've talked to, you know, we talked to Andrew Peloso in a previous episode about the fact that we want to be talking to and learning from our subject matter experts. Like, why would I not want to learn about geotechnical engineering or about, you know, public health or whatever else it is that we're doing? And so I think that, I think that, that, that interconnectedness and kind of being the hub of the wheel, kind of an important person in the, in the uh, organizations that we're in is really enticing to me personally. Now I do want to come back and revisit. I know, I know we're being, we're being mindful of time here. I do want to come back and revisit this idea of job titles and what, so what kind of job title, if we're wanting to, number one, if we want to get into proposals, but number two, this is the real click kicker if we want to advance in proposals. What are the job titles that we're thinking about? Because a lot of the folks here that listen to our show are, are proposal specialists, senior proposal specialists, proposal coordinator, senior proposal coordinator, and they don't know where to go from there. So, so what are some possible career opportunities and what are some ways that we can get started in the industry with the right job title? I'm going to say before you even jump into looking at job title, look at your resume. If you're applying to a software company and you don't have different softwares that you know on your resume, to me as a hiring manager, that would be a big red flag. That would be a reason why I wouldn't review someone's <laughs> resume. So right. I will say as much as a, of a pain as it can possibly be, if there's a company or, or even a title you specifically want, look around and see what the resumes are or, or the experience that people are listing on LinkedIn and, and tailor your resume to that, right? Make sure, again, your resume, don't just have one. Tailor it to the company yeah. that you're, mm -hmm. you know, looking at and making sh make mm -hmm. sure that the things that they've listed in their job description, you're hitting those points in your resume and or yeah. with your cover letter. Because if you don't start there, you're not getting past the gate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great I mean, what, what I've done so when I would apply to jobs, you know, I would, you know, to Nora's point, I would not, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the same resume every single time. Um, I would, I actually treat it and I've gotten some good feedback on this. I would treat every resume like a proposal itself. And so, and so my resume is essentially the crystal found proposal. No, this is why you should hire me. And I mean, I would take, and, and those bullets they would have in their job description, that's my cover letter. And I use their language and I respond with my experience or some lie about my experience or whatever. I mean, but, but, but it's to get to, but it's answering their, it's answering their questions. And I try to say, well, listen, right. if, if you like what I did for myself, just imagine how I could do a proposal for your company trying to win business. I love that. Um, for me, I would also say that have an understanding of what's possible, have an understanding of what's possible, tailor your resume, look at what other people are doing and mimic that. 
Um, because if you understand what's possible, then you have, you can create some intention. I talked about this in a previous episode. You can be intentional when you're starting the role. You have an, you can set some expectations for yourself. And when you're sitting down and talk to you, talking to your manager on day one or in your one-on-one, you can say, you know what? In a year from now, I'd like to actually fully be a proposal manager if you're starting as proposal coordinator. So let's say you're starting off as a proposal coordinator, right? Or even proposal writer. And you know that what's next is a proposal manager. And from proposal manager, you can be a senior or you could go to bid management. And then from bid, senior bid. Um, so if you know what's possible and you know what how each role kind of changes, you can then set your expectations, set your goals and very, make it very clear, clearly communicate what your intention is, clearly communicate what your expectations are and what direction you would like to go in. Now you have a plan. Once you have a plan, continue to learn, continue to learn, um, continue to grow in the in the area that you're in. Like, what are people doing differently? This is one of the things I greatly appreciate about having relationships with Catherine, Nora, and Chris. Because in my day-to-day like life at work, I will come across a situation. I will reach out to them and say, guys, this is kind of how I'm thinking about this thing that I'm doing. What do you guys think? Is this the same approach you would take? Like, what are your thoughts? And so it allows me to like, look at, yes, I have experience, but at the end of the day, the learning doesn't stop just because I have experience or have been doing this for so many years. The learning is constant. So don't ever stop learning about what's happening in your in the industry as as in proposal management specifically. Yeah. Um, what are the things people are leaning away from, moving towards? What are the changes? Um, and what are the improvements? Keep learning. Keep learning. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And, and something we had from a previous episode as well about, about uh, finding a champion. You know, um, you know, fine. So if you're a if you're a proposal writer or proposal coordinator and you want to be a proposal manager in a couple of years or a senior or whomever, you know, if it's someone in your company, you know, have no um, have them, you know, possibly a, be a mentor for you. Find someone in your network that ha- that may have that has that title that you want or may ha- or may have more experience and just you know professionally engage with them and say, how did you how did you get to where you had, um, um how did you get to where you, you got to? What were your challenges? What did you have to do? And I, and I think from my own experience, a lot of proposal folks are, you know, very, are just very happy to you know, show, very happy to show people uh, the ropes or kind of to be that consultant or be that mentor for, uh, for folks who want it. So I, I think that's another good avenue as well. Just to build on what Chris said about networking and, you know, leveraging your network, the best thing that I ever did, hands down, the thing that launched my career the quickest was going to industry conferences Mm -hmm. and making connections. Because I made that connection with you, Catherine, when we both attended a conference. I think it was back in 2020, actually. Lupacon. It was Lupacon. And, you know, she and I just hit it off right right off the bat. And I, I agree with Chris. I find that there is not a single proposal manager I don't think that I've engaged with who doesn't love to talk about proposals. And I think that's kind of a wonderful universal trait we all have. Mm-hmm. That's um, every time I talk about what it is that I do. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I talk about what it is that I do, um, someone is like, uh, and I, I always finish the statement by like, and I love it. They're like, do you now? You love it? <laughs> 
I couldn't tell that you loved it. Like, I couldn't tell that you get excited or you're passionate about it. You're passionate? Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. There's so many, but there's so many dimensions. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many dimensions. What I think I want to make sure everybody leaves with today, too, is the fact just because we don't see people who started in proposals very often in CMO roles, in chief of staff roles, in VP of RevOps or chief revenue officer roles, or as like we see independent consultants a little bit more frequently. But my personal mission is number one, to showcase the fact that proposal people have the business acumen to drive strategy within our organizations. We are not, you know, to a lot of people's, a lot of people say this, oh, well, aren't they just, it's just an admin task. No, we are sophisticated. We are some of the most sophisticated salespeople. We handle the biggest deals and the future is really bright if you can leverage that golden thread of analysis, communication, project management and general achievement in your in your career. So just because you see bid specialist on your resume now, that does not mean that you're not going to be able to be chief revenue officer one day. We are salespeople with specialized skills and we are extremely important to industry because 35% of revenue coming into most businesses is related to formal procurement. So 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 that's that's the message that I'm hoping to leave everybody with today is that shoot for the stars because we need representation of proposal people at higher echelons in the organization so that folks understand more about what we're bringing to the table. So, It also costs 100%. about $25,000, they estimate, per proposal, depending on the size of your company, right? Per proposal to get it out the door. So if you're helping your company win, then that means you're not wasting that money, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and thinking about yourself, thinking about your title like that, and talking in the same terms that other salespeople do and ROI and the things that you bring to the table, like you're part of that win. And so, you know, just have faith in yourself and, and your abilities. Heck yeah. So we are at the end of our time together today. Thank you so much for joining us today on what's the formal title of our episode, Making Ish Up As I Go, How One Becomes a Proposal Professional. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Outlaw Proposals, who's bringing fractional proposal and proposal enablement leaders into your workspace to help you understand how to spin up your RFP team. Join us on Udemy, where we have courses related to your SME empowerment called RFPs for SMEs and Change management for RFP managers. We are happy to provide you with those educational opportunities as Outlaw Proposals launches our July 3rd community. Very exciting. Stay tuned for July 3rd for community updates. Um, Thank you again. This has been No Really Everything's Fine, where we are again boiling frogs, but we did not fall down a hole ourselves into our fairy tale. In fact, we arrived here very intentionally through building our career paths. So thank you to Nicole for the fairy tale inspiration of our theme today. We will see you next time. Please be be sure to join us on LinkedIn at No Really Everything's Fine, where you can reach out to all of our podcast hosts and join us wherever podcasts are distributed. We will see you next time.